Welcome to the Wordy Pair Podcast, your go-to hub for all things writing, world building, and the occasional dive into the weird and wonderful world of fiction. We're breaking down the barriers between you and your next great story. Whether you're a seasoned scribe or just scribbling your first sentences, we've got something for you. We'll be discussing everything from crafting compelling characters to dissecting the good, the bad, and the downright bizarre in the world of fiction. Okay, this script says you guys are eccentric. Isn't that just a three-syllable word for weird no offense so whether you're in need of inspiration a good laugh or just a couple of weirdos to keep you company on your writing journey you're in the right place thanks for tuning in to the wordy pair podcast All right, welcome to the, I think, fifth episode of the Wordy Pair. We're going to stop mentioning numbers at some point. Those are just going to be in the file names for people and for us to remember where we're at. But uh, I'm Rudy. I was sure this was five until you said something, but I'm Justin. I'm sure it's five because I've been editing them. What's your name? It's, it's, it's Justin. You know me. My name is Justin. <laughs> I know you, but people might be joining the podcast and not know who you are. That is appalling. They should all know. <laughs> you gotta start from the first episode it's like an anime <laughs> who do you think it is it's the other guy yeah anyway today we are gonna do something that is gonna be a little bit fun we hope um there was there's an author named larry correa and he is um he 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 he's he, he used to own a machine gun store is the way he likes to put it and then he kind of got, got this idea into his head that he should write fiction and so back in the day, there was a forum called The High Road where he actually wrote a bunch of like fiction. And he actually kind of like semi-crowdfunded his first book, which was called Monster Hunter International. I actually have a copy from before he got a real publisher when he was still kind of like self-publishing it or publishing it with a independent group. Uh, I got a signed copy of that. But uh, he's been writing like crazy ever since, and he's become a fairly successful author. Back in 2014, this is quite an old article, he wrote an official alphabetical list of author success. And he goes all the way from A all the way down to Z. Because people were calling him a, quote, D-list author, unquote. And he wanted to kind of make some fun with that. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to go through this thing from Z on up. We're going to kind of explain where we are and uh, where we've been and how we hope to get better than that, better than where we're at. But this is a pretty funny list, and uh, I hope you enjoy our uh, take on it. And now it's it's important to remember the list is actually funnier if read from A to Z, but since we're inserting a little extra commentary, we decided to go from Z to A. And also, it's going to be fun to find where... Like, like we probably fall into several different one, uh, ones of these letters. Yes. But the the thing that makes it really funny, the whole, uh, the whole thing about Larry Correa being called a D-list author, is that he actually sat down and said, okay, where do I actually fall? Uh, where would a D-lister fall if I am a D-lister? Like, like, what would that make the rest of the list? And he came up with some some really good, uh, really good positions for everyone. Yeah. So I guess I'll start us off. We are over all the way down at the Z-list. The Guardians Village Idiot one dollar sign. The dollar signs are kind of like the the uh, like if you go on you know 
Google Maps and it tells you how many dollar signs a restaurant is and more dollar signs means more money. So one dollar sign means you're making the least possible amount of money. And uh, these are going to go up as you go higher in the list, obviously. Anyway, the Z-List author is a kind of anti-author. He is motivated by delusions of relevancy, crowdsources, crowdsources witch hunts against writers higher on the list. He collects the opposite of royalties and actually has to be paid a strange sort of book welfare to produce a book. That is accurate. <laughs> there are lots of people like this. There are so ma- there are so many more people like that now. Ever since, ever since Twitter merged with Tumblr, there are so many more people like this now. Wait, are you telling me that Twitter merged with Tumblr? I uh, no, they didn't actually merge. It was kind of oh, like okay. a the, the the Tumblr purge when they were like, uh, you can't you can't oh, have porn right. here anymore, and so everyone was like, okay, we'll go to Twitter, and then everyone on Twitter was like, what just happened? <laughs> Where did all this porn come from? <laughs> Twitter's uh. furries now. <laughs> Yay. Anyway, you know, if you're... The, the, the point of the Z-List is that you're not actually writing anything. You're just yelling at people who do try to write things. Even if the pe- things those people writing aren't necessarily that great, you're still just yelling at people who are writing instead of writing. And you got to write to be a writer. If you want to be on the list anywhere above Z, you got to write. Yeah, that's, that's why the best line in there is the a kind of anti-author line. Yeah. <laughs> But it's 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 true though it's it's very true I've seen it in writing I've seen it even more prominently in uh in the VTuber community so for anyone ah. who doesn't know what a VTuber is they're the little cartoony people that uh you know they they have a cartoon avatar for their YouTube channel and you know they they do cutesy videos and stuff but there's like this weird thing where there's people that will call themselves VTubers and have not done one video. Or they'll say that they're going to debut soon, which a lot of people do. Like, like there are people that, like, hype it up before they start their series or whatever. And so, you know, they give it a couple months, and then the next thing you know, they're doing it. But there is way more out there. There's just a ton of people that are just, like, just call themselves a VTuber that don't actually do that. And a lot of people that say for like three years in a row that they're going to debut, but they never do. And it's really funny because I I started doing it just for kicks. And it took me one week to get started. Yeah, it's not really that difficult. You just need an avatar or a copy of OBS and a little bit of software and a little bit of knowledge about that software. And you're good to go. I mean, it. I don't VTube, but I, I do have a, a YouTube channel and I do stream video games and stuff. It didn't take long to set that up. Yeah, it I, takes long. It takes a little longer to set it up and, and have it actually be decent. But you know, the basic setup was just like I have an emulator. I stream that emulator. I stream the output of that emulator and my voice, and that's it. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, mine was kind. I, I cowboyed my way into it. Yeah. A lot of people do a much better job when they debut than I did because I think I well, opened with technical difficulties. <laughs> well, the, I mean, there's a lot of people that open with tef- technical difficulties, but there's a there's something to be said about having a bit of a hype train before you start because it's all about the algorithm. And if you start yeah. with nobody watching, then the algorithm doesn't really pick you up. But people that do start with say ten viewers, they, they you know they have a tendency to actually get shown around to people. But you know that's only if you're trying to make money with it, which I don't think either of us really are. Oh no, I would. I don't think I would want to do that as a career. That would be like I would sit down every day. Like I have to do this for like five to eight hours. I could. I can't do this. I, I mean, I could. I could. I could do that for a career, but I would probably feel a little bit unfulfilled just playing video games for eight hours a day. That would be fun, but for a while. But then I would get very sad. 
Yeah, well, anyway, moving on in the list. I'll tackle I'll tackle the Y list, I guess. Um, All right, go for it. So the Y list is the Yama. This is a primordial creature barely capable of vomiting words onto a page in a blasphemous impersonation of the act of writing. So mind-shattering and terrible that a single story threatened to end language forever. He is the thing that should not be. To read his foul creations will summon the black goat of the woods with its thousand young, and it will kill your muse and sodomize the corpse. He is confident that he'd be a much more successful writer than A through X. <laughs> if only he wasn't too busy stalking Asian women on the internet to actually submit any of his crayon scribbles. Uh, this is the reason sci-fi conventions have security. So that's your Y-lister. So now we have someone who's writing something, but the things that he writes are so awful that, uh, <laughs> that you shouldn't read them, because reading them will actively destroy your creativity. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like anti-training. Yeah, it, I mean, like, you know, once you get up there, you could try to see how much of a dosage of this stuff you could get before you, get, before you give up on the written language altogether. It's, it's, just make sure, make sure never to cross that line, right? It, it's like Vegeta climbing into the gravity chamber, and the gravity just keeps getting less and less <laughs> until he just floats helpless in the middle of the room. Which is about where most of the Y listers end up. Yeah, pretty much. I like the I like that the reason sci-fi conventions have security because these people are at the same time very um, often like overly positive about their horrible works <laughs> oh, well it's worse than that this is the exact person that like will be in a group of people talking about their stories and like yeah. everyone's talking about let's say it's like five people talking about stories they wrote about their pets and how much they love them which you know you know gag me with a spoon but still like like something like that and then this will be yeah. the person that's just like well i've got this hardcore sex story <laughs> and they just, just like there is absolutely no awareness to these people whatsoever. That's the Y lister. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Oh, and it looks like uh, it looks like your kind of uh, your description is kind of rolling into the X list as well because we have the X list, the X. He writes violent pornographic bondage fanfiction involving My Little Ponies, Voltron, and Breaking Bad on the internet while dressed in a stained bunny costume. It looks like a strange gimp version of that thing from Donnie Darko. Don't make any sudden moves. We're just going to walk <laughs> away real slow now. <laughs> yeah, that's from description to recommendation. So, so, I, so I guess the, there is a bit of crossover in the X and Y because that's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, pretty much. It's important to note that that first one when he when he you know points out My Little Ponies, Voltron, and Breaking Bad, he didn't necessarily mean that those were all in separate fanfiction. So Oh no, no, no. That's what that's what the word cross is for. Or no, is it slash or is it it's slash slash fiction, isn't it? I don't know. No, that's I, not I, what I, slash I, fiction is. That is not, not a, <laughs> No. <laughs> and we're not we're not going to tell you what slash fiction is either. Moving on. Go look it up. The W list. Huge on Twitter. An author who hasn't ever actually sold anything, but they've got a whole lot of Twitter followers, and they're going to tell you all about it. An author who will not hesitate to inform A through K level writers they're doing it wrong, because if they were real writers, they'd have better Twitter presence. An author who fails to realize that the only type of follower who counts is the one who will give you money for your product. And lives in their mom's basement. Yep. It's close to me, except for the Twitter Twitter follower thing, and I wouldn't tell A through K that they're doing it wrong, because they're A through then, K. Then, then it doesn't fit you. <laughs> I mean, it's you've close. sold a little bit. The, 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 no, no, no. So here's the thing. 
I'm just not obnoxious like this person is. And I'm not on Twitter. (laughs) Well, not much. That's why you're not on the W list. Because, because... Because you don't fit the like, like, even if you haven't ever actually sold anything, which is not true technically, but you you don't have a lot of Twitter followers, and you aren't especially like crazy about telling other people about your amazing Twitter following. The other three dots don't. The other three bullet points don't apply to you at all. So you know, I'm just trying to I mean, see like where I come close to fitting because I'm not going to be an exact match for any of these. So like, no, of course not. But one of the points that Korea makes is that you can move up and down this list over time, and so the the the, the thing is is the, the the W list is kind of like a pothole. Like it's a place that you don't want to end up as an author because because you can you can trick yourself into falling into this W list area, getting a lot of Twitter followers but never selling anything, and that is what you want to avoid. Most people don't, and no, most people don't like hop into W because they wanted to. They fall there because they stopped selling things and started focusing on making angry, snarky Twitter posts. Well, to be fair, I've always made angry, snarky Twitter posts. Yeah, you make fewer angry, snarky Twitter posts than I do. Well, I, I don't hang around the libertarian Twitter as much as you do, so it's kind of easy to avoid that, I guess. There you go. All right. Next up, the V list. Oh, you're a writer? I'm a writer too. This person hasn't actually written anything, but likes to tell professional authors that he's just like them, because he wrote a poem back in high school and his teacher really liked it. Maybe when he retires from his career, he'll become an author. He's got this amazing idea, and he'll share it with you if you do all that actually crazy writing the book part, and then you can split the crazy huge profits 50-50. So, yeah. This is... Yeah, I've, I've met a few like this, yeah. Yeah, sure. And I mean, you wrote a... You wrote a short story that your college really liked back in high school, or yeah, college. yeah, that I did. I actually <laughs> I didn't. Uh, okay, so I, fit, I I like semi fit on that one too. But it seems like I'm only like fifty percent on each bullet point that I fit with. So we haven't got well, a full so one the, yet. The, the, the point is, is that you're gonna want to fit in. You're gonna you're gonna be classified as the highest bullet point that you fit into because like because like it'd be fine if you were huge on Twitter and also sold a lot of books. You would fit into W, but you wouldn't be a W list author because you're, you know, you're a K list author that's selling regularly or something like that. So you know, it's kind of like one of those like you go up as high as as actually describes you at all, and that that, that top level is kind of where you're at. But I mean, like I think everybody feels well. I, I've known people who have these amazing ideas, and you know, honestly, some of these ideas are actually pretty good. But it is really hard to sit down. And actually, like, write them out for some people. You know, if you have a career and, you know, you want, you know, maybe when you retire you'll become an author. But, like, you know, there is a tendency for people to say, like, oh, the writing part is easy. I just don't have time for it. And then they never make time for it. And then they discover when they actually do set a little time aside for it that it's much harder than they thought. And then they're like, oh, crap. Yeah, I see that a lot on writing forums and things. But, I, you know, it's... to. It's not really illegitimate. If you have a really good idea and you work with someone to make it happen, that's that's not oh, yeah. that's that's not really a bad thing. Like if you know someone who can write and you have a good idea, like I mean, that's that's how a lot of web comics, you know, work. Like Penny Arcade was a guy who could write and a guy who could draw. Uh it just depends on what, yeah. what you bring to the table. Like what if someone can write something really well but uh someone else is really good at marketing? Well, congratulations. You just invented the agent. Con- yeah, c- congratulations. This is what this is what mankind has referred to as teamwork for the last yeah. thousand years or so. <laughs> so there's not really a big thing about that, but calling yourself an author when you're if you're having someone else do all the writing is that that's weird. 
A little bit, yeah. I mean, I mean, like you would be like, um, so so like you know, a game designer doesn't program anything, but he he does like write down like world building or like gaming like like you know systems in the game how they should kind of fit together and work. But that person's not a programmer, and right. they shouldn't call themselves a programmer. All right, so where, where did we leave off here? U-List? Well, so I just did V, so you are up for you. The U-List, the aspiring, thinking about writing something, wonders where they'll find the time. Don't feel bad, we all started somewhere. So this is a nice, happy, pleasant place to be, where it's like... Yeah, we've gotten out of the dregs. Yeah. <laughs> not not completely. There's some. There's more dregs above, because there's... He doesn't really go from, like, worst to best. He, he goes through the different layers to talk about the different attitudes people sometimes have. And well, this is, about, this is about being a writer. So someone who's thinking about writing something is still not a writer. As compared yes. to, say, someone higher up who writes something but doesn't make it good. If that makes sense. No, no, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, the aspiring. This is, the pers- this, is where, this is where people... This is where good people start. They have an idea... They aren't sure whether whether they'll find the time. They, you know, maybe they kind of jot down the idea and set it aside for the time being. They put it on the back burner. But eventually, you know, if they really want to be a writer, they have to actually write something down. And that's where they start moving their way up the list. So shall we move on to the next one? Or do you have anything else to say about the aspiring? Uh, no, we, we can move on. That's, that was a simple one, so. All right. T-list. The troglodyte. These are struggling authors who haven't realized they need to actually learn to write. When nobody likes their work, they proclaim, They just don't understand my brilliance. They like to post angry reviews on the internet bashing authors A through S. Alright, so, so let, let's start with that last bullet point first. If, if sure. you yourself are an author, the worst thing that you can do to other authors is to just go around bashing their work. Because if you think for oh, a yeah. moment, if you think for one moment that making other authors look bad gives you a bigger cut of the pie, you are sorely mistaken and pathetic. The It's it's okay if someone writes a really, really, really bad book and you want to trash it. <laughs> you know, to write a review and explain why you think it's a really, really bad book. But there are people out there who are just jealous of other people's success and so they'll go on and write like a, a half-baked review where they don't really uh, they don't really explain why they hate it. They just call it trash and say this author can't really write and this this person, you know, just anything they can say to try and denigrate that person and their work. Yeah. It's very easy to like the things that you write yourself. So this is another trap where you try not to land because the stuff that you... Because when you're writing, unless you're specifically writing it for yourself, the goal is to get other people to read it and enjoy it. And so if you're writing something that you like but nobody else does, you need to do one of two things. Either A, you need to find a different audience that actually does like it, or B, you need to improve your skills as a writer. And this is something that people don't aren't, aren't willing to believe that they need to do sometimes. And they're like, no, I'm a decent writer. I just, you know, I, I, I just nobody nobody gets it. And like, you know, I mean, I've, I've definitely fallen into the, uh, the second bullet point that they don't understand my brilliance a little bit, in my head at least, because, you know, I'm still starting out and... I like the stuff that I've written, but, you know, it, it hasn't really made traction, so I just need to try harder. Yeah, no, It's not that I'm brilliant, it's that I need to, it's that I need to figure out better ways to do what I want to do. Well, I mean, that's, I think that applies to a lot of people that write. I mean, I love the stuff I wrote, but I... Sure. I, I can tell that a lot of what I write 
doesn't have that big of an audience because you know like my biggest book is an action fantasy with lots of comedy and snarkiness and uh monsters and supernatural things and people running around from one battle to the next lots of battle there's not too many people that read battle books the they don't understand my brilliance part that part is uh I mean, I don't know. I've seen a lot of other authors that write really brilliant things, and it's just like, I know that people that read that, I know there's a lot of people that read that. I'm sure there's plenty of people that could understand anything I wrote. Yeah, I mean, you know, there you can have a brilliant idea and have poor execution, too. Like, there's there's more to it than just having a really good idea. Because if you have the, a really good idea and you started out with, a you know, 50 pages of something that nobody wants to read, then uh, then you just wrapped you just wrapped your good idea hypothetically in a big old layer of garbage and <laughs> which happens a lot like yeah. in the past i was just talking with someone about how in the past 20 years i have read just tons of books where there's there's like a really good central idea that should be better developed in the book but they want to it's like it's kind of like newer authors feel that they have to cake everything with uh you know these in-depth characters and all these backstories and then you finally get to the point of the book and it's like none of that mattered to the story yeah. but like I, I go through a whole book sometimes and i'm like I, i'm just asking myself in, in my head where is the author going with this and then at the very end of the book that's when you learn where the author was going with it and the rest of it was just fluff it's just like yeah. I, I didn't need to know all of this about this character and his relationship with his sister and how they got into a bar fight and were chased down by a bunch of uh, rebels or something for the whole book. That and... part sounds good, though. Well, no, <laughs> that, that's the thing, though. It had nothing to do with what was actually going on in the story. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's, there is a lot of that, and I wish I mean, people would I just mean... tell me the story they want to tell me. Sometimes, like you have to, you have to put, add some layers to it. You don't just want it to be a sure. skeleton. But don't write a 5,000-page book and, like, 10 pages of it is the story. That is obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, <clears throat> there's another aspect, too, is that um, don't post angry reviews if you're... Like, other authors are usually pretty happy to, like, give people a leg up if, if you know, they're, they're nice about it. But if you just build a bunch of negative, negative reputation by being, the, by being that jerk on the review page... Uh, no one's gonna help you out either, so that's that's another thing. Like, you know, especially if you're trying to go down like the the traditional, like conventional publishing route, if you have a reputation as like an asshole, <laughs> 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 no one's gonna work with you, even if you wrote something good. Um, so yeah, it's another pitfall. Don't don't be the troglodyte. All right, so moving on to the S list, the struggling authors yes. who've written something but haven't had any luck selling it yet. Finally, a full bullet point I can land in. <laughs> <laughs> Authors with the most incredibly frustrating job in the universe. That's two. The future of writing. All right, so I'm two for three. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you might be the future of writing. You just need something that makes gets some traction and, you know, get some good marketing on it, and maybe you'll be good to go. The market data I've seen suggests otherwise, but that's a happy thought. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think I fit pretty well in here, too. I, I don't understand how... My sci-fi stuff has sold comparably to your actual long novel stuff. No, you, you have outsold my stuff, and your stuff is free, but... Uh... No, well, no, I mean, even my stuff that sells for money has... I think we've, I think we've compared these numbers at some point, and, like, my, 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 you know, two crappy novellas, 
the second one sold pretty. I mean, it sold something, but. Uh, well, I, I mean, know. there's there's probably a bigger market for the short attention span people that don't want to read a two hundred thirty thousand word novel. I guess that's true. And but like, you probably have I mean, better covers. You probably have better descriptions on your description page. I tend to get a bit. It's wordy. a Kindle book. I mean, like you just. You, I mean, you can set it down and pick it back up. It's not hard. <laughs> you you've seen Twitter, right? Uh huh. Yeah, there there's lots of people that. So. It's a good thing that there's so many people that read now, but it's it's a Twitter <laughs> age where a lot of those people yeah. don't want to read for very long. I guess that's a fair point. I found that I found that I mean, novellas are great because they don't take that long to write either, and that way I get faster feedback on like what what's actually happening. Like, yeah, if I write a novella and like nobody let, nobody cares about it at all. Then it's like, okay, well, I I only wasted a couple of weeks on that. It's not so bad. As opposed to like spending years and years on a two hundred and thirty thousand page book and floundering. Hey, that that story was a lot of fun to write, so it was worth it. Oh, I mean, it was fun to read. I, I I love that book. It's a great book. We're talking about the good guy, by the way. Which, by the way, is actually the same title as I think a Dean Koontz novel. Uh yeah, it is. I learned that after I published it. That was not helpful <laughs> at all. Yeah, I can imagine. Jeez. <laughs> like my book doesn't even come up unless you type my name in next to it. On Amazon, right. like you can't even like scroll like... down and find it if you just type in the good guy. Because <laughs> if you yeah, if you type in the good guy, you get a wall of Dean Koontz, and you're like, oh, I guess I'll read some Dean Koontz. Our list. Are we ready to move on? We are ready to move on. All right, our list. The artiste. Single dollar sign. Authors who have written a pretentious, dense piece of unsellable crap. Authors who write for prestigious library journal or literary journals where they can be read by literally dozens if you count the editorial staff. Authors who skip right to B-list if Oprah mentions them. <laughs> now, that's one of my favorite ones, because there's more truth to that last <laughs> bullet point than just about anything else in this list. Well, yeah, because, you know, it, you know, Oprah's book list goes out to how many millions of, of people who will just basically buy anything that's on it? A lot. Yeah, a lot. And so, like, you know, you can be writing this pretentious garbage that no one really wants to read, but if someone, if someone's like, this book... Because, like, this is the point where books are, like, they're important, right? They're, like, this is this is meaningful. This is this is the great American novel, right? Literally so... the worst books ever written, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> yeah, but this is, but those kind of books, they, they will sell if they get word of mouth from someone who people believe is a, I mean, like a pseudo-authority like Oprah or somebody like that. Literary journals is another point, too, because you can write a lot of stuff for, like, journal articles. Like, the readership on journal articles, in, in general, is, like, tens of people, if you're lucky. Whole tens of people. Entire, in, yes, entire tens of people. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. I mean, you know, some of the best journal articles get read by, get read by everybody in the field, but, like, at the same time, there's just thousands and thousands of, of articles that... Get get read by the editors, the peer reviewers, and the authors, and that's basically it. <laughs> so, so if I can compare it, it's kind of like people who go to writing forums thinking that they're going to grow an audience there. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, <clears throat> to me, it, it to me the artiste, the name the artiste, kind of refers to the the style of writing of being of trying to be the next of trying to be the next to kill a mockingbird. To kill a mockingbird, or maybe the next like 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. Catcher in the with, Rye. Without, yeah, without without making your way there the hard way. You, you, you get there by some, yeah. It's the, it's the roulette version of becoming a famous author. And they don't even have good titles like that anymore, though. All the pretentious, all the pretentious books these days are are like <laughs> they they have titles like uh, Barack Obama, the pants I wore. <laughs> What's the subtitle for that one? Like fire in the sky or something like that? I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, next one. Uh, yes. Unless you have something else to say about the artiste. Uh, I mean, it's entirely possible that the artiste can can write something that's good. I. Uh, well, in order to write something that's good, the artiste has to stop being an artiste. Yes, that actually is kind of where I wanted to go with that. <laughs> yeah. So, the cue list, the college guest lecturer. Okay, so this is an author who sells something like a short once in a great while to a very tiny audience, so they can be panelists at conventions in order to bore the living crap out of the poor audience while they drone on about the rules and definitions of genre fiction. Love those people. Absolutely love them. Oh, yeah. They've never actually sold enough books to earn back their tiny advance, but that's okay, because writers who make money are sellouts producing bourgeoisie garbage for the masses. They write pretentious blog posts warning SNU list authors that their fiction has to check the mandatory social justice boxes about nonsense like ending binary gender. Okay, so now we are... Now we're in the modern now... era of authors. Yeah, and the, the one of the most um, insufferable types of authors. Yeah, it. I mean, I... If I had a choice between this and the X, uh, I'm 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 hanging with. I'll buy the X a beer. <laughs> that's that's actually a fairly decent point. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who want to. We, we talked about this in the theme episode. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who want to like make their book or their story about some kind of social thing, and like when they focus that much on it, they kind of relegate themselves down to the queue list here. Where they're basically saying something, yeah, unless you believe this particular like position I have, either politically or socially or something like that, uh, you're not going to like this book. But then I also get to kind of lord over you that I have position X, and uh, you should have position X, and the fact that you don't means that I'm better than you as both a person and an author. And you just kind of get into this positive feedback spiral of like, of like self fart huffing and it gets bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like this person didn't vote for the same person I voted for, and he was wearing a brown shirt. And you know who else wore brown shirts? The Nazis. And that's just a dog the, whistle the, the, for the, Nazis. The, 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 the brown shirts were the Mussolini guys. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, that wasn't there. Uh, wasn't there like a brown shirt thing with a uh, high? Uh, what was his name? High Heimler. Didn't they have like a? I thought I thought they had the black shirts, but I, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm they, probably wrong. I've read less history than you, but I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the brown shirts were. Well, I mean, there may. But have let's been be a, fair here. Like, a... like, is anyone going to going to think of that and, and like really know the difference between the Mussolini fascists and the Nazis? I mean, people who know history do. Like I said, is anyone that that? <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. So next up. Or unless we have something else to say about the college guest lecturer, I don't know. I mean, it's just—it's so grimy. It's—it's uh... <laughs> it, it, very—it's very slimy because like that positive feedback loop is the real problem because you get into this like weird like echo chamber thing and 
then you just kind of get trapped in there. Yeah, where like, the people d- that aren't actually going to give you money for the books that you write are going to oh, uh, yeah, pat yeah. you on the back constantly. But but like it's worse than that because these are the people that that tell people who haven't made any money off of their books that you shouldn't be a sellout. And it's just like I, I'm trying to think of something more disgusting than telling someone that they shouldn't want to make money off of something they wrote that's actually good. Or that making money is somehow evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then, let's move on to the P-list. That guy. Single dollar sign still. Author who has maybe sold a couple things or won some contest or something. A know-it-all author who won't shut up on a panel about his bullshit. Who all the professional authors just want to, <laughs> just want to throat punch. <laughs> doesn't know what royalties are, but thinks any author who complains about paying taxes is inherently evil. Wonderful. <laughs> okay, so I I fit the top bullet point on that one. <laughs> yeah. I fit the first four words on the second one. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I would want to do panels about anything. I mean, panels would be fun, but like, I'd like to earn my way to a panel, and I would try not to like be a... I would try to not act in such a way that my other panelies want to punch me in the throat oh i'll I'll do you one up i would want to go to a panel and just talk about how taxes are inherently evil i mean i could do that i i think i have done that but like but like i just have to say like as as just kind of like a like a little little um attaboy to to larry correa and god knows he doesn't need an attaboy for me but the, the the visceral beauty of the phrase throat punch is just something I love. <laughs> More people should use it. I use it in my regular oh, yeah. workday. I I mean the punch or the words. No comment. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a Fifth Amendment, and doggone it, I'm going to use it. Fair enough. Um, so you did win a contest. I think we talked about this in an earlier episode, but there was there was a college contest where you you won with what was that story called Ashley or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was called Ashley. It was, uh, well, we were talking about how I, it was supposed to be published in the mag, the, uh, college magazine, and they never, That's right. <laughs> they never printed the magazine after I won. Right. So, so, but I, I guess, uh, uh, not talking about that specifically, but maybe like just a quick run over of what the, what the story was. It was, uh, like a satirical, satirical takeoff on, was it Snow White? No, or? it was Cinderella. No, it was Cinderella, yeah. Ashley. It's in the name. Ash. Ash what? Cinder. Oh! Oh my god, you never it. got that? I did not. Good god. I thought that was so... Maybe it wasn't obvious. I thought it was really, really obvious. <laughs> no, it, it's not obvious at all. <laughs> what, do, you, do you want me to give a give a rundown of uh, what happened with the contest and maybe the story itself here real quick? Well, you've, you've already talked about the contest, but but maybe just talk about the story itself and what inspired you to do it. Okay, so it was literally three days before the contest. And I yep. didn't know that there was a contest. I found it on a bulletin board at the school. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, crap, I want to write something for this contest. And I don't remember exactly why Cinderella was on my mind at the time. I must have just... I, I, was, I had probably just watched Grimm's Fairy Tale Adventures or something. Okay. And so I was like, I'm going to do a, a uh, Cinderella parody. So I called it Ashley... I made it about a, uh, instead of, instead of Ashley being tormented by her, uh, mother and her sisters, 
she was secretly being taught kung fu by her mother, and so that's why it seemed like she was being abused in the story. Right. So that at the end of the story, when a bunch of ninjas attacked uh, the during the ball, Cinderella was able to fight them off with the help of the prince. Yeah. And uh, there, there was some weirdness to it, but it was, well, it was just... It was weird how that whole contest went down, because I think that I was competing a bun- uh, against a, a bunch of... Uh, no, not Q-listers. Uh, which one was it? Let, let, let me scroll down here. Sure, sure. I think it was a... It wasn't a W list. Uh, my, I mean, you're, we're still pretty near the bottom, so... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll just we'll, we'll just go with, like, the troglodyte, I guess, or something. I don't know, because that's sure. not fair, because nobody was actually being a troglodyte in this sense. But, right, right. like, everyone else had written this dark and depressing stuff. Like, like I had the wrong idea about the contest. Everyone else wrote a page. Uh-huh. My Cinderella parody was 22 pages. Yikes. <laughs> that's pretty good for three days. I... I can really crank them out if I, uh, if I have a, yeah, if I have a purpose, I guess, a goal. Um, sure. But it was like everyone wrote like a single page or maybe two, two, three pages, we'll say, and it was all dark and depressing. And everyone was writing things like metaphors where this, this dark crow is like my soul, yada, yada. And someone wrote a story Ugh. about, uh, about suicide. And another person wrote a story about a family being hit by a truck and, and how sad it made someone. And and so I can just imagine, because, you know, they, they, they yeah. weren't supposed to tell me outright that I won the contest before the contest. Right. Uh, but they came up to me and said, I can't really tell you if you're the winner, but we sat down to read your story and we could not stop laughing. And so if you would just, like, write up kind of a, a little biography that we can use to present you at the uh the award ceremony that that would be nice and i was like oh i won this contest didn't i (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it was so long that like everyone else was able to read their whole story at the ceremony and i had to edit out like a few select passages (laughs) yeah yeah and it killed the college magazine like like i i I choose (laughs) to believe that i wrote a story that was so long that they just didn't know how they were going to fit it in and said forget it this magazine is over. <laughs> you should. Do you have it up anywhere? I do not, but I can put it up. You, I still have it. You you really should. What what what? what it's not what? very good upon rereading. Like it's it's badly written, but it. I think it's still well, funny. I mean, you 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 cranked out twenty two pages in three days. You didn't have much time for editing. But I mean, like, uh, yeah, I don't a, think I did edit that to be honest. <laughs> I, I, if I remember, it was it was it was pretty funny and you know a nice short read like. It'd be funny. It'd be fun to just put a link up in, you know, when when this podcast episode goes up in the in the near future, it'd be nice to put put uh, a link to that somewhere and have people be able to read it because they might like it. Okay. And so you know, I mean, it's something since... that you. It's some. I mean, it's worth noting here that this is something that you wrote how many years ago? Like twenty. Twenty two years now. Yeah. So like you know, it's it. You've grown since. So you know, this is something that you wrote a long time ago. But it's, it's just you know nice to have that. I think, or maybe you know if. You know, God willing, someone will listen to this podcast and be like, "These guys sound cool. I should read some of their stuff." And they'll read that and they'll be like, "This was a good thing for someone who was you're what like 19 when you wrote it or something like that." Uh, yeah. So yeah. Well, I mean, if if we're gonna shamelessly self promote here, I'm gonna go ahead and tell the favorite. My favorite part of the whole thing was uh, sure. <laughs> I, I, this is a podcast. What what else will we do but shamelessly self promote? That's that's an excellent point. Um, buy my ice cream brand anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there's a part in the story where there's that whole uh, changing a pumpkin into a, a 
horse and carriage thing. And sure. my favorite part was taking that and making it about this fairy that was going around and basically murdering these women and stuffing them into pumpkins and thinking that's what she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so there was this whole scene where like the police had to show up and open fire on this ferry. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. They're, it's they're telling Ashley, stuff. "Oh, that was that was a close one." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, shall we move on? Yes, if you can remember where we were, I got sidetracked. We're at, we're at the O list. Okay. And, I, and I, it's my turn. The O list. OMG, I can totally join SFWA. Single dollar sign. These authors are people who don't realize there isn't actually any reason to join the SFWA. (laughs) These people are authors who haven't made enough off their royalties to pay the dues for SFWA. They are also the average voting member of the SFWA. I love how all of those points just just reflect the SFWA. Well, so so this this was written around the time of the sad puppies thing, where like... Like, Larry, Larry wrote something, and it, it actually was, like, on path to, like, get a Hugo Award or something like that. And then there was this massive, like, like social justice backlash of, like, we can't let him win because he has political views that we don't like. And he used to own a machine gun store. And so, like, a couple of years after that, they did Sad Puppies, where they tried to just, like, stack the list of, of SFWA voters with people that they could, like... Like, get to vote for something that, like, Larry or, or one of uh, Larry's friends wrote or something like that. So th- there was this whole <laughs> there was this whole brouhaha that took place over several years. And, like, it was just funny because this was, like, this is when the Hugo Awards, when it became obvious that the Hugo Awards were kind of, kind of uh, not worth anything anymore. Because, like... You're I literally dodging like, a bullet if you don't get a Hugo Award at this point. Well... Well, like, I mean, you know, if you get an award for a good reason, that's one thing. But if you get an award for terrible reasons, then that's another thing. I think the Hugo Award, one of these years, instead of, go- instead of going to, like, an actual, like, good story, it went to some, like, author who checked a bunch of diversity boxes, and she wrote a story about, like, a dinosaur, about, like, her, like, a character having a love affair with a dinosaur. I don't know. It was bizarre. And not I mean, very good. do people not know what like fan fiction sites are for uh people want to people who belong on the fan fiction sites want to try to make money from the stuff that they write do you have any idea how much money there is in just writing what 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 that person was really wanting to write but didn't yeah i mean a lot of people aren't willing to make that dive either so there you go it's like okay you have a story about someone in a love affair with a dinosaur go nuts go make your money off of it don't get a hugo award it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're only hurting yourself. <laughs> Believe me, there is an audience for that. I will. I sure. Without trying, I can find you that audience. Okay, it's it, it's it, it's like that time <laughs> that uh, what, what's the what's the website that uh, the drawing site uh, begins with a, uh, a DeviantArt. DeviantArt, yeah. Uh, it, it's like that time we were on DeviantArt, and I was you, you, you like just pulled up a random search, and I said, "Okay, that's a furry, that's a furry, that's a furry," and then you called me out on one of them. You said, "That's just text." I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a furry, though. It's like the only thing in there even close to anything related to animals is the word serpent. And I said, click on it. And I was right. <laughs> this is an actual thing that did happen. Yes, there was a there was a thing written for some. Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's that's just a story. You know, it, it, the only thing in there that has that, that even says anything 
about that, something that might go towards like furry paraphernalia is like the word serpent or snake. And, and yeah, we, we opened it up and we looked and, and you were right. And I was wrong. That is why my catchphrase is don't you ever second guess me. <laughs> and, my, and mine is it's worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the two coincide quite nicely. Oh, yes. All right. You ready for Enlist? I am ready for Enlist. Go for it. Uh, let's see. The Enlist. Yeah, I'm like totally a writer, baby. We get $1 Still sign $1 this sign. one. <laughs> Authors who've published a book or maybe some short stories. New authors who all the other aspiring authors in their writing group secretly hate. Oh, that's always fun. Mm -hmm. Authors who collect enough royalties to eat out occasionally, but only from the dollar menu. An average Hugo or Nebula Award winner. There you go. So that's the end list, and that, that does sum up a lot of them. People think... Okay, so I remember it was, it was Tom Woods, actually, that told that story about how all of his, uh, a lot of his family thought that he was like super rich after getting on the New York Times bestseller list, and it's like, no, oh I, yeah, that I, I made no. You... I, he said like tw he made like twelve thousand uh, yeah. <laughs> dollars. It's like that's le that's less than I make in a year at my low paying job. <laughs> yeah. So there's not actually a ton of money in writing if you're not if you're not pretty successful at it. Like you have to be in the top tier to be making a living off of it. Yeah, pretty much. But um, but you can make side money, and it is fun to do that, and it's fun to write, so you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Me, personally, yeah, I'd course. probably keep writing even if I was making no money off of it, and I can prove that because I do. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the, the average Hugo or Nebula Award winner, you, you, the reason to avoid those awards is because nothing will stagnate you more than thinking that that award was important. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Like I said, if you get the award for a good reason, then then be proud. If you get the award for a crappy reason, then don't let it slow you down, because you still need to do more work. Take it off the cover of your book if you can. <laughs> but what about my Netflix uh, adaptation? That, that's fine. If, if you've got a soon-to-be Netflix sticker on your book, I mean, I'm not going to read it, but there's lots of people that will, plus it's advertisement <laughs> you, for the show that probably isn't very you, good. Uh, <laughs> you did read it. <laughs> oh god which one was it the th three body problem oh yeah no well the copy i had did not have soon to be a netflix but, on it because but, i was listening to the audiobook no that's true but like we looked at the reviews for that book and people were like why is there a sticker on this about netflix i bought a book <laughs> well they've always done that i mean a lot of times I, I know they've always done that but it was just it was just something that came up in like seven or eight different reviews that we read for that book and I, you know i just i just remember remembered that I mean, look, I I put the uh, soon-to-be-a-Netflix uh, series sticker way, way higher on the quality list than the Hugo or Nebula Awards. Yes, because the the Netflix show is at least assumed to be possibly entertaining. By whom? Right? Well, by, like, the average person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> so what are we on, M? Are we on the M list? M. I am the king of the world. We have graduated to two dollar signs. These are authors who have published a book or something. These are authors who sit in front of their computer compulsively hitting refresh over and over to see their Amazon ranking like one of those perpetual motion bird toys. Peck, peck, peck. These are authors who collect royalties sufficient to eat out once in a while at a restaurant. Okay, maybe Applebee's, but they can't get appetizers. The author on the panel... Th th this kind of person is the author on the panel who can't help but flog their books to the trapped audience with every comment. 
By the way, check the... No. (laughs) (laughs) Buy my book. Buy my... I mean, it's important to 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 market your stuff, but at the same time, it's important not to over-market your stuff and not to market it in inappropriate places. Well, like, I, I specifically do not like to market my book unless it comes up kind of like it did a minute most, ago. With... Most, most writers don't like to market their books. No, and I love like... to market my book. I just don't like to do it when it's like, hey, I've got an audience here. I'm going to tell you every little detail about my book. But when it does come up, I can't shut up about it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, this is kind of where you where you want to be because you can at least eat off of off of the money you're making from a book, and and eating is important. Not true, not true at all. You want to be at the A list, but if you can't get there, well, I mean, like this is where you want to this is where you want to be before you like fall down lower. Like you you want to get here because if you get here, that means you have at least enough business sense and enough writing sense that you might be able to write something that gets you up higher up in the list. Yes. Something like that. Was your elongated silence to to mean that we should move on with the list? No, I I mean I didn't have an, that much of an elongated silence unless like Discord screwed up, which is possible. But it, it's all it's all right because what I said I'm recording and so it'll it'll make it into the episode even if you didn't hear it. But yeah, we can move up L list. Go for it. All right, we're jumping up to the L list. The L list is titled happily. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And we're at the triple dollar signs here. So these are authors who've sold some books. They're authors who annoy all of their friends and family to come to their otherwise empty book signings. They're authors who haven't realized Amazon only updates their ranks hourly and are still checking every 15 minutes. That's kind (laughs) of amusing, actually, because it's like I, I could vaguely understand checking once a day if you're, like, trying to get up in the rankings. But once every hour, it's just like, go eat dinner. You need food. Something's wrong in your head. <laughs> well, I would say that the that the thing to the thing to take away from this is that simply checking your ranks doesn't do anything to improve your ranks. So, like th- this is this is this is kind of like another pitfall where the person is spending more time like reveling in in the little success that they've had rather than trying to leverage that success into something else. Yeah. So so, so like craving more dopamine hits is the quickest way. It, 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 Okay, it's not the quickest way, but it's a very good way to also stagnate your writing, just like a Hugo oh, yeah. Award. Yeah, don't, don't, don't worry too much about what. I mean, worry about what's selling, but don't obsess over it because you're just wasting time, and and that time could be better spent. That time could be better spent marketing or writing something new. Yes, absolutely. Those are the two most or important even, things if you want to actually make money as a writer: market and even just even even just sitting quietly in a room and thinking up new ideas. Well, well, that is writing. That's that's part of the process. I, I know, but like, but like, it 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 when you're starting out, it feels like it's not. I, All right. What? Anything else? No, actually, I think I think that's that's good. Well, okay, so let's look at that second bullet point. So, like, sure, getting your friends and family to come to the empty book signings. I I don't. Uh, so, like, it can from a marketing perspective, it can help in that people will see other people around an author they don't know who's actually there to sign a book and they might think, oh, I should go get a book signed by this person. Because it probably does look a lot yeah. better than some poor schmuck just sitting there holding a book and <laughs> looking depressed. Uh, <laughs> like, always bring it, always at least bring someone to talk to, just in case nobody's interested. Well, so it's, it's funny because I, I've heard a very different perspective on, on this from someone, I forget who, but they said they said that they, someone, someone told them, hey, you know, I'm writing a book, can you write a review for it? And they were like, 
they were like, well, yes, of course, you're my friend. Why would I not do that? I mean, you don't want to ask somebody to do it every other day, but, like, you're not going to write a book every other day. But, like, at the same time, if you have real friends or, like, family that, like, actually cares about you, they, they, they should want to be a part of the things that you're doing, at least in some aspects. So, like, you know, th- 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 this is the other perspective where, like, like, don't be annoying about it, but, like, it's hard to be annoying about I wrote a book because you can't really write a book every other day. That's true. I mean, I... There's a certain audience, too. Like, you know, if you have friends that, you know, the only thing that you do is watch sports together, maybe they're not the right person to say, hey, I wrote a book. But I I don't know. I mean, you know, I just remember someone saying, like, well, wait, I, I, you know, if if my friend had wrote a book and never told me about it, I'd be very, like, I thought thought we were friends. You were writing a book and you didn't tell me? So there's that aspect of it, too. So... I don't know. I mean, I I like talking about writing... So I don't... You're on a podcast about writing. Yes, I assume so. Uh, that's an excellent point. Yes. I'm going to take that point to heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, even some of the friends I know I know that read, it's like, I, I know some of them are busy, so I don't really... Like, 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 I'll talk about my books with them, but I'm not going to pressure any of my friends to read a book. I you know, Oh, I, no, it's not about pressure, but it's at least like saying, hey, I did this, and you know, hey, I, you know... I'd love it if you showed up here, or I'd love it if you read it, or I'd love it if you, you know, you know, told me what you thought, or stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've had friends that have done stuff, and it's just like, I didn't even know they did it for years, but, like, yeah, yeah they can they can tell me that, and if I can get around to it, I will. Uh, sure. Obviously, if it's reading, I'm going to try. I think, as far as I know, you are the only friend I have that's actually read any of my stuff. Uh, except for that story I won the short story contest with. Two of my other friends read that back in the day. Yeah. But like I I didn't even, I don't I don't even think about that. Like I wouldn't really want to I wouldn't really invite anyone to go with me to a book signing except for like the one person that I was gonna hang and talk with because probably nobody would show up. <laughs> <laughs> probably no one will be there. Yeah. And I will be very bored otherwise. Alright. Well then I guess we can move up to K-List. K-List it is. Welcome to the All mid-list. Right. We are quad it, it, dollar it, 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 signs. But, 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 it's my Wait, turn. is it your turn? Yes, it is. It's your turn. <laughs> so, thanks, spoilers, K-List. Welcome to mid-list. Four dollar signs. Isn't, isn't technically the mid-list M? Well, no, it's an even number. So, What's an even number? Even number of letters. So technically it would be L or M. But, but, but. Well, 20, 26, half of 26 is 13. M is 13. Anyway, the K-list author is the average professional author with a writing career. They are authors making enough money to be really tempted to quit their day job, except their spouse won't let them. They are authors who are still really happy when anyone, anyone shows up to a signing. They are authors who are still terrified that their fans will realize they're a talentless fraud any minute now. Okay, so let's get back to that whole 13 letters thing. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I I dispute. Okay, so if M is thirteen, then that makes that makes N fourteen, which means that the yes. real middle falls somewhere between M and N. Yes, that's my point. Well, that was my point. That, that well, K is not mid list. So mid list mid list is is, is is either M or N or somewhere in between. Mid list is menomena. Menomena. <laughs> so we're getting into actual authors who actually sell things. Yeah. At this point, so we've got four dollar signs. And $4 signs is enough to live on, sort of, except you still need a day job. 
Yes, assuming you have a spouse and possibly kids. But you could probably get by with like a lesser day job. Yes. It's, uh, you, you still have nobody showing up to signings because apparently it's very hard to get people to actually show up to signings because like people, I mean, I mean, this was in 2014. So like think about now when like the, the, like Amazon, or not Amazon, but uh, Borders is dead now. Barnes and Noble is much smaller and, and much more significantly online than it was then. So like, yeah, it's hard to get people to show up to, to book signings. And then look at the bestsellers list and tell me that you want any of those people in a line in front of you. <laughs> What, the authors or the readers? The readers. What about the authors? Well, I mean, I look at the bestseller list. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I feel like there's not much of a market to 14 to 18 year old girls for my books, so, you know. Why would you, what? The bestsellers. It's like all romance novels at this point. Are, are okay. I was at Barnes & Noble today, okay? I was there. Oh, <laughs> the, in the trenches. The science fiction shelves, nobody. Baron. Yeah. It was of course. Not only that, but like the toy section and the puzzles and games section, nobody was there. There were sixteen people standing around the romance novel section. <laughs> nobody at mysteries, nobody at science fiction, a couple of people at the entertainment section, uh thirty people looking at DVDs and movie uh, uh movies and CDs. Yeah. W- one sad parent with five kids in the toy section. Uh-huh. And I guess everyone else was drinking coffee and looking at magazines. I don't know. Do people still look at magazines? Apparently they do. Apparently there's more people that read magazines than science fiction. And yet the science fiction shelves have way more stuff than the magazine shelves. Yes. Stuff that doesn't get any attention. It was it was surreal. Uh-huh. Like, people tell me they read books. And my, I, I, I try. <laughs> I try so hard, so generously in my head to not picture, like, a... a a, a gradient faded set of abs on the cover of whatever book it is they have in mind. <laughs> yes. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So so what you're basically saying is that this is how you get from the K-list to the J-list, is you write romance tripe. Uh, yes. The more that you can make it, like, Fifty Shades of Grey without people actually thinking it's like Fifty Shades of Grey, the more successful you will be at that. Okay. Well, then let's, uh, how about you tell us what a J-list writer is? I will tell you what a J-list writer is. A J-list writer is, oh, they they got me. They got me good. I'm trying so hard not to swear through this, but I don't know how to, I don't know how, I was, I, I've been doing a good job. I've been skipping the swears, but. Yeah, that's fine. You don't need to. You just, just, you know, just, just, just the letters fine. What the F? I'm a real writer. Four dollar signs. Authors who are still getting used to the idea people want to read their crap. I didn't actually edit that one. It actually says crap. Yeah. Authors who have sold a respectable number of books. Authors who check their book's Amazon rank every hour. And authors who start to pay most of their bills with their royalties. Congratulations, you are at my regular job level with your writing. You have succeeded. Yes. You can, you can kind of live off of it. You, you can buy gas and go to the movies. <laughs> no steak, but maybe steakums. Well, you could buy your own store-bought steak and cook it yourself. Yes, you could do that. That makes sense. Yeah, th- now we're starting to get into the places where it's less, where, where there's less for us to add as making fun of the stereotypes because these are just like hard-working authors. Like, yeah, these know, are the places you want to be. Yeah, this is this is now where you kind of want to be <clears throat> because you know here you're writing several thousand words a day on average. 
you're actually ranking up in Amazon rather than just clicking the refresh button over and over again. You're actually selling books, and you're actually you're like um, like people actually start to know who you are at this point. Like there there starts to be a little bit of a following where they're like, oh, there's a new book by so and so. So this is this is this is the this is this is the the the, the like the first step on the staircase upward, where you're actually starting to do pretty good, pretty well for yourself. Because writing's fun, and if you can if you can get away with doing it full time, then go for it. Gonna be some keyboard clacking here for a moment. I go for I, it. I'm missing a meeting. Oh, uh, we can pause if you want. No, no, we don't have to pause. This will just take a second. <laughs> no, I just had to tell someone that I I need a few more minutes. Oh. Do we do we want to split this up into a couple different episodes? No, no, we're we're doing the whole list. We're going all the way. Okay. We haven't. I don't think we've been on an hour yet. I mean, if we're trying to aim for an hour. No, here. but if you need, if you need to be somewhere, then. Oh no no no! I am, quote unquote, meeting someone online to uh, pretty much just hang out and watch stuff. Is the point? Oh okay, I see. But I, I told them eleven o'clock, and and so. I, I had to insert some keyboard clackety noises into our recording because I don't actually have a mute button on this microphone. It's all right. I'll cut it all out. Yeah. No, you should leave it all in. This is, I, I'm, I was trying to... It's gold, Jerry! <laughs> What's the word for this? I think the VTubers call it scuff. Yeah, okay. That's what we need is scuff. <laughs> it's a really nasty sounding word. It's it's shoe scrape sounding. Well, that yes, that is exactly what it refers to. It, it is, yes. <laughs> All right, you want to read iList? Reading the iList for Jay. iList is doggone it, people like me, and we are we are five smackers now, five big old dollar signs. Okay, so these are the authors with the first glimmers of real professional success. So we're not talking just day job anymore. We're talking like these are the pros. These are these are the uh, this is the trade skill version of the writer. Yes, authors who begin contemplating how they're going to tell their boss to shove it. <laughs> You know, I do that every day regardless. <laughs> Authors who... You have to be pretty good at your job to get away with it. That's the trick. Yeah, well, I most people don't say it out loud like I do. Um, yeah. Authors who only check their books Amazon rank once a day. Now you're talking. Authors who pay their mortgage payments from their royalties. Now, if that doesn't sound yes. like success, I can't. I, I don't think I could do that with my job now if I bought a house. <laughs> it would depend what kind of house, but sure. Uh, it would. I. It would be... Smaller than an apartment room. I mean, I don't know. It depends. It's location is a big factor too. So, well, I mean, I I live in one of the cheapest areas in the country to live in, so it's <laughs> it's gotten pretty bad with housing prices. Yeah, I know. All right, so we've got the iListers who are they're they're actually they're actually successful. Not just not just like making it, but they're like making it, making it. Yeah, they're not working so another good. job now. They're 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 going to tell that boss to shove it real well, soon, well, assuming that they think they can continue to write. They're getting close to the shove it, but they're not there yet. They're, they're definitely so in the I'm probably going to take an extra vacation mode. Yes, extra vacation. Little less, little less, um, little less worried about like next year's you know uh, raise, so to speak. Maybe call off All sick right. once in a while. Yeah, do some writing. H list. Are we ready for H list? Ready for H list. All right. Holy shit! I quit my day job. Five dollar signs. There we go. These are authors who are still really glad their spouse has a real job. They're authors who think that paying quarterly taxes on their royalties is total bullshit. <laughs> they are authors <laughs> who can go to their high school reunion all smug like, Oh, you work at AutoZone? Well, I'm an author, bitches. And they are authors who have made enough from royalties to impress their mom. That that takes work. Oh, yeah. It takes a Depends lot of work. Depends on the mom, but yeah, it does take work. 
quarterly taxes are total bullshit. I can say that already, but like... <laughs> I mean, we... <laughs> that's another podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so, so really glad their spouse has a real job. It actually is interesting because it describes um, Ayn Rand. She, she you know, uh, her husband worked while she was making her way as a writer. So, like, she got here and at some point, I guess. There's, uh, what else do we have to say here? Enough from royalty. We talked about impressing mom. We talked about quarterly taxes. I don't know. Do we have any digs at, at, at AutoZone? I kind of like AutoZone. But, uh... I mean, as long as you're not asking them to hook that thing up to your car and tell you what's wrong with it, you're good. I mean, that thing's useful if you don't want to buy one, because they're expensive. I, I mean, I, I guess, like... I just guess I've been so unlucky with my cars that every single time I had a problem, it was one of the ones that it, those that those things couldn't really detect accurately, and it ended up being something different. Oh yeah, that does happen sometimes, but like, I don't know, cars have way too many sensors these days, but like, I mean, I think I have only one car with an OBD2 connector. Like, my other two cars are so old that they don't even have that connector. Like, my Jeep, if you want to know what codes it's running, the way, here's how you do it. You get in, you sit down, you put the uh, you put the thing in neutral, and then you put the key in, and then you turn the key to the on, but not the start position, and then back to off, and repeat that process like four times, ending up at on, and then there's two lights over on the dash that will blink out codes at you. <laughs> that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. It is really cool, but it is also really hard to figure out what the hell is wrong with your car. I don't know, they, they, they're Morse coding you the answers. Well, yeah, it's more—it's closer to semaphore than Morse code, but yeah. Like, I've never heard anything that made me feel like I could feel so stranded sitting in my own Jeep in my own driveway. <laughs> I'm in a garage. It's a heated garage. What the hell? <laughs> I'm all alone here. It feels like there's an icy fog on the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but I have miles to go before I sleep. Miles to go before I sleep. <laughs> all right so so they're getting more positive so it's getting harder to like really crack a lot of jokes it, at it but there's nothing to dig at yeah. but we can just kind of you know joke about things a little bit here so, you want to go with g -list? Yeah, let's let's jump up to g list so g list is it. i'm pretty awesome at this writing thing and we are looking at six smackaroos now nice authors who are super excited to be guest of honor at a convention authors who have some people coming to a book signing some Authors whose quarterly taxes could buy a used Hyundai. Single authors who've sold enough copies they can safely use being writer as a pickup line at bars. So, so the G-List is a nice place to be sitting for just about anyone that likes Hyundais. I mean, you know, you could buy a lot of things for the price of a Hyundai, too. So, like, you know. And these are your taxes, which is not... No, no, I like looked it up. It's, it's part of the code. You have to buy a Hyundai if, you make, if, you, uh, if you're a G-Lister. Really? It's, I don't I, write I the mean, rules. I I just sort of. I like the, I like the fact that you have to be uh, that you have to be up to the point where you can like buy a house with your writing before it can even be used as a pickup line at bars. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was that movie, the movie with uh, Sean Connery, right? Uh, what was that movie called? Finding Forrester. Yeah, Finding Forrester, right? Where, where that 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 whole. Uh, you're the man now, dog, was from that movie. Yeah, punch the keys, all, for God's bunch, sake. Punch the keys, for God's sake. But one other line from that movie is is that Sean Connery tells the the, the, the kid that, like, 
or like the kid asks him, like, women will sleep with you if you write a book? And Sean Connery's response is, women will sleep with you if you write a bad book. And so, you know, we've got two very different perspectives on writing from like, when does that movie come out? Like mid-90s or something Yeah, that, like that? was that was 90s. And, and, and 2014. So, you know, your, what do you call it? Your uh, romantic market value has definitely decreased as a writer since the days of, of Finding Forrester. Which is weird because, as I mentioned a little while ago, there's so many people that are reading romance novels. So so it's like, I have have they given up on the real world? I don't know. I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> Being a guest of honor at a convention, that'd be pretty cool, actually. It probably would. I, I'm not much of a convention-y people person. I like going to conventions, but I'm, I mean... My God, if I had to, like, present something at a convention, I'd just be like, can I just eat food? I just want to eat food. I just want to eat the food and play the video I games. want to eat food and look at the anime stuff. Why did you invite me to this? I'm the guest of honor. What? <laughs> guest, the guest of what? I thought you said the guest of Hyundai. I just bought a Hyundai. <laughs> no, it probably would be pretty cool, though. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you could drive the Hyundai to the convention. You're all, it's all it's all set. There are no loose edges. I would be walking around with a giant ribbon on my chest that said "Guest of Honor." <laughs> well, they usually do give you like a little a little like tag thing that goes on your. Oh no 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 no! It, w- it would be huge and gold, and I would make sure everybody knows it. <laughs> Guest of. I would honor. be cutting in line. I'm I'm sorry, sir, but you know I, I can't stand in this line right now. I'm I am the guest of honor. <laughs> Is that how honor works? That you just get to cut in line? You know, you're, you're like you're like you're like kicking babies. You're like guest of honor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're usually they're usually at or near hotels. So you're just like taking someone else's hotel room. You just tap in the badge. <laughs> you, you, you knock a guy down and take his wallet. You're like guest of honor. Guest of honor. <laughs> it's like the Simpsons episode. <laughs> it's okay. I'm a teacher. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> Back when the Simpsons were good. Oh, man. Ancient times. Ancient times. Right. Ancient times were remembered only by old people like us. That's right. So hit up that F list. All right, F list. The Professionals. Six dollar signs. Six good smackaroos. These are authors who have good lines at book signings. They have quarterly taxes that could buy a new Hyundai. It's it's important to note that in the G list it was a used Hyundai. Yeah. I, I actually didn't catch that until just now. These are authors who have worked extremely hard to hone their craft over many years, and they are authors who have consistently treated writing like their career. So that last bullet point, very important. Yes. Uh, yes. You would be amazed how many people that, like, even if they're even if their writing is, like, so-so, they can do really well if they just keep at it and keep writing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, that, that's that's what it's about, right? Like, like very few books take off and sell a million copies. But if you write a book that sells 10,000 copies, and then you write another book that sells 10,000 copies, and then you write another book that ten, tells, sells 10,000 copies, you can make a living off of that more easily than, you know, throwing all of your dice in it at, uh, at the one million copy book. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's more and fun. Like, you know, it's more fun, but there's also a bit of seriousness here too, too, because you have to treat it like a career and you can't ever rest on your laurels. Like you, you can't say like, Oh, you know, I'm I'm getting uh, royalties this month from that book I wrote six months ago, and it's like, oh, that's gonna keep going forever. Like, no, that, that's not that's not how book sales work. So, keep you got to keep going. You got you can't stop. It's not it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's it's a it's a get rich really slowly if at all scheme. It's a get some money 
hopefully at some point scheme someday maybe someday god willing scheme is not the right <laughs> word for it scheme implies that that there's a definite goal that we're going to achieve here <laughs> desperate prayer <laughs> uh, all right so so where Ready are for we the e-list? yes the e-list yes Go for it. All right. Authors who... Oh, it's the 1%. The 1%. So so we're, we have $7 it's signs. $7 signs. Yeah, we, it's quite amazing. This, this is the top five. This is where we're... Well, let's just read through it. Authors who make enough off it. their royalties to impress their mother-in-law. Now now that... Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Authors who lucked into a decent movie deal. That can be true. I've, oh, yeah. I've read some of these books and seen some of these movies, and there was definitely luck involved there somewhere <laughs> um authors who actually have long lines at book signings probably because of the movie and the real housewives Ugh. so yes if you, if you have well, that's a talk show right or is that a reality show i forget which it, which it is I, it, it's a reality show i think yeah so so i'm guessing that the joke there is that they all wrote books and since they're on that show they sold those books yes probably to the same people that are on oprah's book club that's actually very likely. They 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 jumped from, they jumped from the X list to the E list. Yes, thanks to Oprah. Uh, lucked into a decent movie deal. I mean, this is something that people seem to be aiming for these days. I mean, that was what you said when talking about the three body problem. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are writing their books on a template made for, ho- basically hoping that they get picked up by Netflix to be adapted into a Netflix show. Yeah. I get the feeling from ha- from reading various authors of the last 10 years that that is exclusively what most people are trying to do now, which does not make for good writing, but I guess makes for more content on Netflix. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, Netflix, people watch a lot of friggin' Netflix these days. Long lines at book signings. That's pretty cool. Like, people, w- people will go to a book signing to see this person, which is kind of neat. Yeah, like, people will actually take a drive to go see this person. So, so being that high up is, you know, you're, that's, you, you would definitely want to be there if you could. So, you know, go for it. Uh, except yeah, don't be one of the real housewives. You probably wouldn't like that. No, no, no. <laughs> most, most reality TV show stars are very unhappy um, for a variety of reasons. D-list. I think it's my turn, right? It's your turn. My wallet says bad motherfucker. And we've got eight dollar signs. Authors whose quarterly tax withholdings withholdings are sufficient to purchase a new Mercedes-Benz. That's that's a decent chunk. Uh, authors who've written a shitload of books for a whole lot of years, uh, Snooky, and the International Lord of Hate, which uh, was a nickname that Larry Correa got for himself because people were like saying he's so hateful, and they're like, it's like no, he just was pro-gun. Anyway, yeah, so so this is where Larry Correa falls on the list, where he puts himself well, that's, on that, the list. That, that, that's where he put himself there because people kept calling him a D-list writer. I mean, like this was in 2014. By now, he's actually probably significantly higher. He's probably at least a C-list writer. Yes, and uh, <laughs> it's really funny to note that part of, part of the humor in this is that if you're calling him a D-list author, then you know, like a lot of people would look at that as saying, "Well, you're." you're not giving Larry Correa enough credit. So he put Snooky on there because she would be in the, at that time she would have been in the same, you know, author category as Larry yeah. Correa. And that would probably bump her up a few notches for most people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not a whole lot. So, so the other point here is that he's written, this says written a shitload of books for a whole lot of years. 
And yeah, I mean, like, it takes a while to write a book, and you got to write a bunch of them. So another another thing for aspiring authors is that it never ends. It never freaking ends. Keep writing. <laughs> Keep writing. Write more. Are you writing right now? I'm not writing right now. Right now. <laughs> Why are you podcasting? Stop podcasting. Go write. Stop podcasting. Go write. To be fair, this is only going to take a few hours out of our week, and it's not that big of a deal. But shall are you? Shall we uh, move up to the C list? The C list, the perpetual bestsellers, nine dollar signs. Nice authors who play poker with Castle. Authors who have lesser TV shows, not starring Peter Dinklage. Authors who always get sold in airport bookstores. And authors who are rich enough to have sex scandals, and it actually makes the news. All right. So I'm pretty sure he had someone in mind for each one of those, especially the first two, since he named them pretty much. Well, who's Castle? Uh, Cat. He's um, it's that book series Castle that's like the mystery television show. I think I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's where he's okay. So, so like, is that? But I'm not sure if Castle is like the name of a real person or if it's the character in the book. That is being I, I, played. I like know. I thought it was a detective character named Castle or something. Well, there was a there was a TV show called Castle, but I didn't think that it was like about a guy who plays poker with famous. Authors. No, 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 no. Uh, playing poker with Castle, as in here's a famous person, and you're a famous enough author that you can play poker with this person. I think that's what he means. Uh, Unless there's okay, some okay. other castle that he's referring to that I have no idea. Who yeah, I, I'm not sure. We we all know who the Peter Dinklage remark is about. Oh, yep. It's funny because because this is called perpetual bestsellers, but um, the author in question hasn't really finished anything in a, quite a long time. But it would probably be a bestseller. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it would. Yes, and, you know people 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 didn't learn from the end of the of the TV show. <laughs> well, well, when I was at Barnes and Noble earlier today, I actually saw a George R. R. Martin book in Spanish uh-huh. sticking in the language section next to the Spanish books. So okay. I don't know what was going on there, but it was one of his books translated <laughs> into Spanish in the language section. <laughs> Learn Spanish through reading Wait. a tale of fire and ice. Wait a minute. Can we can we tell the story real quick about Borders? Oh, yeah. Go, go for uh, it. We, we went to Borders once. It was the greatest thing. We were in the... Uh, well, well, two things happened. One of them was uh, we found a copy of a book that was titled The Modern English Version of Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet. Modern English translation. Yeah, yeah, modern English translation of of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. (laughs) So anyone that doesn't get that joke, uh, it was written in modern English. It was it was written in modern (laughs) English. And I mean, of course, we understand what the book means, but it's very silly. It's very funny that they got that that they they got that terminology so wrong. Yeah. And that people are so scared of like an unfamiliar word here and there. That they'll be like, I can't, this is a different language. And my God, if you handed them Chaucer, they'd be like, this is a different language. And you'll be like, no, this is Middle English. That was a fun, well, because it was in the language, wasn't it? In It was in, no, it was in nonfiction. No, 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 no. That was the other book that we ran into that same day. We were in nonfiction and we came across a copy of the Canterbury Tales. No, no, no. Well, it was. It was the Canterbury Tales. I thought it was the Decameron. No, it was the Canterbury Tales. In nonfiction. Yes. Okay, that makes more sense. That that makes sense. Yeah, that was a that was a fun day because that was wasn't that the same day that I showed you the art of electronics and you were like I must bu- I must have this book. I think so, and that was also the same day that we came up with the Dune check. Was it? That was the same day as the Dune yeah, check. It was the same day as the Dune check. 
amazing. I, I guess we have to day. talk about that now. Well, so do we know for sure whether it was actually Frank Herbert at all, or whether it was just the subsequent books by by his kids that we ever? It, it at? was uh, it was his son's books that okay. you you have you specifically have to grab his son's books and. So what what we what we were doing is we were we were playing a game. Well, where... I guess I guess the point is we haven't done a test with an actual Frank Herbert book. I haven't read any Dune. Uh, no, so I, I, I have the first Dune book, and I tried doing the Dune check, and it doesn't work as well. It's it's way better oh. with oh, what's his name? Brand is it well, Brian Herbert? I uh, think. Yeah, Brian Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. So so you have to get so so you, so you have empirical evidence that I I was unaware of. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. So so you have to get a Brian Herbert Dune book. And what you do is you pick it up, you say Dune Check, you open to a random page, and you read a random paragraph and see if it makes you laugh. And they always do. Yeah, it's just <laughs> solid gold every time. Plans within plans within plans within plans within plans. All right, so we're up to the B-list. B-list. I think it's your turn, isn't it? No, nope, I just did C-list. Okay, you're right. The Kings. And we have $10 signs. These are authors who have TV shows about their books starring Peter Dinklage. They are authors who sleep on large piles of money. They are politicians who get illegal campaign contributions masquerading as advances. And Oprah's Book Club. And that's how you shoot right up to B from, what was it, K or X? or It was, it was, uh, it was, the, it was Q, wasn't it? It was way down yeah. there. Way, way down it, there. It was the, the college lecturer or whatever. Sleep on large piles of money. I could see George R.R. R. Martin doing that. Really? But I picture him doing it on a boat. I mean, I picture him doing everything on a boat. <laughs> he just has that sea captain aesthetic to him. Well, I've never seen a man look more like he's from Ireland. Is he from Ireland? I don't know. I have no Possibly. idea where he's from, but he looks like the most Irish person on the planet. But he doesn't have red hair. No, you're thinking of Scotland. I thought Ireland also had red hair. Probably, but I mean, I think Scotland's more famous for it. Oh, okay, fair enough. Politicians who get illegal campaign contributions masquerading as advances. If anyone wants to know how Barack Obama makes millions of dollars, but he only made what 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 does a president get paid four hundred thousand dollars a year something like that yeah or is it like it, it, it's something like that it's probably it's, higher now but it used to be 400k a year yeah it's so you can become a millionaire being president but it takes you three of your four years in office but like then you have these these people who are in in congress and and you know people who become president and one day they're you know not rich and the next day oh they're they're multi-millionaires that's how someone someone ghost wrote a book that sold a billion copies. Yeah, that that's that's one of the ways they do that. They they have books written and about them. Nine hundred nine hundred ninety nine point five million of those billion copies are in a landfill in a ghost city in China. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to take us uh, to the take us to the the final lister. The A list. High upon Mount Olympus, they gaze down upon the pathetic mortals. All the dollars. <laughs> they don't even have a, a set number up there. It just says no, all just the all dollars. All the dollar sign. These are the authors who are worth more than the GDP of some countries. These are the authors who build their houses out of gold bars. These are the authors with characters from their books that get their own theme parks. These are the authors that are the lady who wrote Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this is... Uh, this is this is the this is what happens when someone writes something that becomes insanely popular for reasons that they did not fully understand. Yeah, like like I this is this is not a place that you get through by force of will necessarily. There's a lot of luck to getting here. 
There's a lot of work too, but it's important to realize that that many many people have written books like Harry Potter, but yeah. J.K. Rowling was the one that made it. So yeah. if you're for, for some reason, if you're ever sitting there writing something and you're like, "This is crap. I'm never going to get anywhere with this." I mean, if you're having fun, just keep doing it because you know what? That could be the yeah, one. That could be the one that you, gives you, you your you, own you, theme park. You really never know, or not even your own theme park, because no one wants a theme park named after an author. Yeah, well, I mean, your books would like no, no one, no one, no one wants a theme park named after like like an artist, like an author, or a cartoonist. anyone want to ride anyway. the Rowling? Ew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, but like having your character get their own theme park now that's a real thing. Yeah, once you've once you've made it to the once you've made it to the C list, you're once you've made it to the D list, you're fine. If you can ever get higher than the D list, then go for it. But it's it's uh it's not easy. So there we go. That is the official alphabetical list of author success from Larry Correa. And you should reference this list constantly whenever you're thinking about authors and where they stand. <laughs> yes. Like, I wonder where that Especially author falls with... on this list. You can tell. You can usually tell. <laughs> you can tell. You can find them. I mean, there's there's 26 different levels, so it's actually pretty pretty detailed, which... You know, most people don't put this much work into an alphabetical list of authors. Uh, the devil I'll didn't that. put that much work into it. He, he stopped at seven. <laughs> Excellent point. Well, I think that'll do it. Yeah, that was that was a fun run-through of the, uh, the greatest fun, writer yeah. list of all time. <laughs> and if not the greatest, at least the longest. <laughs> Anything uh, else to mention before we close out the episode? Well, I feel like we... We did pretty good with just this list. We've got a lot of other things to talk about that we can save for next time, but this is sure. this is one that we wanted to do because it's it's fun. It's really fun. It's fun and funny, and and it also allows us to kind of poke fun at ourselves and at the people that that are yelling angry things at us sometimes. And it reminds me that I need to read more Larry Correa because I've only ever read his first book. I read Monster Hunter Inc. and it is a great book. Like I mentioned, oh, yeah. I, at some point we were talking about books, and I mentioned how not that many people would read books about battles. Larry Correa writes books about people battling with monsters, and I yep. I have a soft spot for that. It's they're they're very fun. They're very fun books. I've read the first one. I mean I I I guess I haven't read enough of them to know that they're all very fun books, but I've heard him talk about a lot of them and he's got some pretty fun, like pulpy, interesting, actiony, exciting ideas. So you Oh, know. you know what? S- since up? we're on the subject of Larry Correa, I, uh-huh. I will say that I, I did stumble across his Twitter feed, and he, he was in, he, he was in, in a bit of a Twitter, uh, battle there for a minute, which was hilarious because, oh uh, yeah, you know he's a gun guy, so, uh, you know, he's talking. Well, he's not just, he's not just a gun guy. I'm a gun guy. He's a guy that owned and ran, a machine gun store, like a store where they actually had. Like where they actually dealt in full auto stuff when 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 necessary, he is the guy that like back back in the day before he was actually like a like like a like an author. He would go on the gun forums and he would get these people who were like, "Man, you know that 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 H and K something something," and he, and he would endlessly lampoon these people for loving these guns that are just expensive and not particularly good at what they do. <laughs> And, and and like and like they would they would start like what do you know he's like I own a machine gun store and they'd be like yeah <laughs> so so yes he 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 had a a lot of fun in the old western days of the internet when uh, 
when gun forums were crazy and people spouted nonsense. I guess that's not very different from today. Yeah, pretty much. He he was uh, he had someone popping in there saying, "Oh well, I'm a black belt in martial arts, and you know, having a yep. gun is just going to make things worse in any situation." And <laughs> and he was like, "No." I look. I have done martial arts for 30 years and I've done a lot of them. And you know, and I can shoot you. I don't well that, that's the thing. It's like I don't <laughs> I don't care how many belts someone has. I've fought black belts before. Some of them are phenomenal, some of them are utter garbage and you know, it's like yeah. you stick around long enough you get the black belt. I have I have been to multiple dojos where I come in and I'm practicing with everyone and they're just like you look like you really know what you're doing. And then I find out that I actually know more than the person teaching. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that, I mean, that's, that's cool. And then I get offered a job and it's just like, no. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, the point is, I have been in places where it's, it's just like, yeah, this is how you can use martial arts. And, uh, you know, if you need to defend yourself in this situation, but I'm going to break it down for you. So, if someone is the same size as you, and you're really good at martial arts, you're probably safe. And I mean really good. If you yeah. practice on the side, you've got, like, maybe a 50-50 chance, just depending on what, what the... If the person that you're fighting, which you're not going to know, but if the person that you're fighting knows no martial arts, and you know, like, two years' worth of martial arts, you're probably 50-50 chance of winning that fight. If you are a yeah, there's a, there's this weird phenomenon I've heard about where like you know you until you get really good dealing with a beginner who who doesn't know what they're doing actually like messes you know messes with your expectations enough that you do worse than than if you also didn't know anything like you know you end up getting slapped by some some crazy person kind of thing and you're like I wasn't expecting him to just try to slap me well well that's I, the thing it's, know, it's like, like until you are so good that your movements yeah. are automatic. You're basically crap, right. and it takes a long time to get that good, <laughs> and and a lot of a lot of practice. Where there's like you, you know, like like muscle memory is one of those things that you can't just like learn the move and you've got the muscle memory. Yeah. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> and a lot of people seem to think it does. It, it does. Like, it does not. Yeah. Well, I've been stu- I've been studying for I've been studying such and such for X years, and you're like, yeah. How many hours do you practice a week outside of the 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 hour and a half, the three hours that you spend a week in the in the in the dojo? And they're like. Why would I practice outside of the dojo? And you're like, oh god, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing that people get wrong is that strength is a big part of being good at martial arts. Oh so yeah. Like, if you get really good at martial arts, and then like even if you still practice your forms, but you don't exercise anymore, you're not right. good at martial arts anymore. <laughs> like yeah, like you you actually have to you actually have to have muscle to be able to do the whole fighting someone bigger than you because. You will wear yourself out quickly. You won't be able to pull off a throw properly. You won't be able to keep your balance. All of that matters in a fight. And, yeah. uh, and it's just like I've seen so many people, you know, come in with this swagger. Like, uh, like we we had someone come into to the to uh, the dojo once was was like, oh well, I was a marine, and uh, my my friend Ben was like, you should go practice with him, and he sends him over to me, and it's it's, it's like this guy that's half a foot taller than me calling himself a marine yeah. and it's just like all right let's practice and he's on the mat in two seconds it's just like you're you're not a marine i if you well you you were a marine but marines don't spend 
as much time doing hand to hand as someone who specializes in hand to hand. Yeah, yeah. There's there's that too. But I mean, a, a really good marine is going to be faster than this guy was, and he's going to know how to at least you know fight. This person didn't even know how to fight, and it's just like, okay, so you were in the marines. You aren't a marine. <laughs> like, like, like oh you're, man, you're gonna get us canceled by marines. <laughs> you're not the John Cena marine that everyone's calling in for the action role movie thing that you're gonna do here, because everyone knows that John Cena is totally a real marine, but. <laughs> But but it's like that that's I guess that's the view that a lot of people in the military have of themselves. It's well I because I was in the military, I must be good at this. And there's a lot of people who are really good at fighting in the military. Mm-hmm. More importantly, there's a lot of people in the military who are like ridiculously strong and they are much, much harder to fight than and, someone who and, knows and how like, to fight and isn't strong. And endless conditioning too, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, we're we're talking people that like like I had a friend who was half a foot shorter than me, and I'm an average-sized person. This guy could do a thousand push-ups every day. He could do a thousand sit-ups every day. He could do a thousand squats every day. If you tried to put him in an arm lock, he could just lock his muscles up in a way where you couldn't move him. <laughs> and there, and there's people that there, there's people out there that think that that martial arts is like some be-all end-all, and it's just like no. Oh, if yeah. a woman is four foot eight and she has a gun, she's going to beat me in a fight. I don't care how. I, I'm a trained ninja. She's going to win. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, unless you get the, unless you have the element of surprise. Well, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, but I mean, how do you have the element of surprise when you're mugging a four foot eight woman, which I would totally never do, never ever do. Totally. Totally. You claim. I have so many bullet wounds. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because people who train with guns also have things like the Tuller drill, which is like, if a person with an, like, if a person with a knife is within 25, 25 feet of you, there's a 50% chance that you will that they will stab you before you can shoot them. <laughs> yeah, and and you can pull a gun and shoot like, really like really quickly. This, this stuff this stuff is this stuff is large this stuff is like it's always kind of a crapshoot. Like life and death situations like that are never like oh yeah, I'm fine. Everything's perfectly fine. Uh, there's always a, a decent amount of of like yes, this could go very badly for me. And mindset is important and all that stuff. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of people who don't appreciate some aspect or another of this. So my ninjutsu instructor would always tell us that, you know, if you're in a bad situation, you either run or shoot the person. That's your best self-defense. This this, this is all yeah. fluff. This is also like you can be... You, you can be ready for, like, a normal situation. But in a situation the, where the, someone's yeah. going to shoot you, you shoot them. <laughs> or in a situation where someone is... Someone can clearly overpower you. Even in a situation where someone can't clearly overpower you. If you're being attacked, your best defense is a gun because you don't know what the other person has or can do. It doesn't matter if right, they're right. a midget, okay? It doesn't matter if they're like two foot eight. <laughs> All right, we've been canceled by the Marines and we've been canceled by the little people. Um, I guess we should probably roll this up. Well, we've been canceled up. twice by the little people because they don't like that apparently either. I, I don't know why that, I, I don't know where that comes from because personally I would... It, I thought that was I thought that was the appropriate term. Now it, I used I used it mostly in jest. Oh, okay, wait, no, maybe it's no. I've got it. People of little. That's where we are now. Oh, people, yeah, it's of, people little. of little. Yeah, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, uh, I, I retract my previous statement. I, I mean, look, it's been five. It's been five years that I am aware of of people not using the word midget. I can't remember to not use the word midget because all the short people that I knew like to use the word midget. They would call themselves a midget. Yeah, it's like yeah, I'm a midget. I I I. I I'm not going... I have no way to appease to these you. people. 
<laughs> well, it's it's not about appeasing them. It's about them changing the language every six months so that you cannot appease them. Yes, I noticed recently that people were getting up in arms about the word spooky. I have no idea what possible context <laughs> spooky could be considered a racist word, but you're not going to get me to stop using spooky at the beginning of October. It started like I two mean, days before October. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I don't understand what's racist about 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 projecting someone as a member of the CIA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You want that information. Because you know. <laughs> they're trying to entrap you. You need to know who the spooks right. are. You need to know who the spooks are. Exactly. And if they're really, really <laughs> short spooks, if they're people of little spooks, well, I mean, you really got to be on your toes because then they can't reach you. Right. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, the the whole gun thing, let's just just get a gun. That's your best self-defense. That's... That's what you do. You you don't you don't spend a year getting good at the basics of martial arts to then spend five years getting really good at martial arts so that you can hope you'll survive if someone pulls a gun on you in an alleyway or pulls a knife on you in the middle of the street or tries to hit you with a car. You buy a gun. So anyway... <laughs> in case you run into people like me on the street, you want a gun. I mean, like... Especially if you're four foot eight or smaller, because we've established now that, that I'm a hater. <laughs> that, you're a, that you're a serial mugger <laughs> look to be fair i don't really mug the people i more sort of like get my hands on their wallet and just hold it above their head and go ah you can't get it <laughs> do you ever play keep away with them uh, no because by, by the time i, I mean? get that far people tend not to like me enough to want to play a team game with me <laughs> that's fair that's fair all right, this has been the immediately canceled fifth episode of The Wordy Pair. I am Rudy. And I'm canceled. <laughs> and we will hopefully see you later, assuming that we are not banned for our statements about people of little. Or the CIA comes... <laughs> I'm going to wake up to someone knocking at my door. I'm going to open it three times, wondering who's there, and then I'm finally going to look down. <laughs> it's going to be... It's going to be some guy in, in, like, dark shades and a suit. It's going to be Peter Dinklage looking up at me. <laughs> like a full business suit with a briefcase. And some, some guy who's slightly bigger than him next to him that he's calling Muggsy. Of course. Of course. Because we all know that's how the CIA rolls. <laughs> in this case, yes. In this case. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all later. for listening to the wordy pair podcast our passion is all things writing world building and getting into the weird and wonderful world of fiction we hope you enjoyed our unique takes if you did make sure to like rate review and subscribe to get your weekly dose of writing weirdness we'll be back soon but in the meantime hit us up on twitter for rudy it's at rudolph underscore cone and for justin at ninja mouse chew see you next time on the wordy pair podcast